0: Chapter 5, The Great Gatsby, Part 3, starting toward the end of page 95 with a paragraph, I went in. I went in after making every possible noise in the kitchen, short of pushing over the stove, but I don't believe they heard a sound. They were sitting at either end of the couch, looking at each other as if some question had been asked or was in the air, and every vestige of embarrassment was gone. Daisy's face was smeared with tears, and when I came in, she jumped up and began wiping at it with her handkerchief before a mirror. But there was a change in Gatsby that was simply confounding. He literally glowed. Without a word or a gesture of exultation, a new well-being radiated from him and filled the little room. "'Oh, hello, old sport,' he said, as if he hadn't seen me for years. I thought for a moment he was going to shake hands.' It stopped raining. Has it? When he realized what I was talking about, that there were twinkle bells of sunshine in the room, he smiled like a weatherman, like an ecstatic patron of recurrent light, and repeated the news to Daisy. What do you think of that? It stopped raining. I'm glad Jay." Her throat, full of aching, grieving beauty, told only of her unexpected joy. I want you and Daisy to come over to my house he said. I'd like to show her around. You're sure you want me to come? Absolutely, old sport. Daisy went upstairs to wash her face. Too late, I thought, with humiliation in my towels, while Gatsby and I waited on the lawn. My house looks well, doesn't it? He demanded. See how the whole front of it catches the light? I agreed that it was splendid. Yes, His eyes went over at every arched door and square tower. It took me just three years to earn the money that bought it. I thought you inherited your money. I did, old sport, he said automatically. But I lost most of it in the big panic, the panic of the war. I think he hardly knew what he was saying, for when I asked him what business he was in, he answered, that's my affair, before he realized that it wasn't the appropriate reply. Oh, I've been in several things, he corrected himself. I was in the drug business, and then I was in the oil business, but I'm now in either one now. He looked at me with more attention. Do you mean you've been thinking over what I proposed the other night? Before I could answer, Daisy came out of the house, and two rows of brass buttons on her dress gleamed in the sunlight. That huge place there? She cried, pointing. Do you like it? I love it, but I don't see how you live there all alone. I keep it always full of interesting people, night and day. People who do interesting things. Celebrated people. Instead of taking the shortcut along the sound, we went down the road and entered by the big postern. With enchanting murmurs, Daisy admired this aspect or that of the feudal silhouette against the sky. Admired the gardens, the sparkling odor of jonquils, and the frothy odor of hawthorn and plum blossoms, and the pale gold odor of kiss me at the gate. It was strange to reach the marble steps and find no stir of bright dresses in and out of the door, and hear no sound but bird voices in the trees. And inside, as we wandered through Marie Antoinette music rooms and restoration salons, I felt that there were guests concealed behind every couch and table under orders to be breathlessly silent until we had passed through. As Gatsby closed the door of the Merton College Library, I could have sworn I heard the owl-eyed man break into ghostly laughter. We went upstairs through period bedrooms, swathed in rose and lavender silk, and vivid with new flowers, through dressing rooms and pool rooms and bathrooms with sunken baths, intruding into one chamber, chamber where a disheveled man in pajamas was doing liver exercises on the floor. It was Mr. Clipspringer, the boarder. I had seen him wondering hungrily about the beach that morning. Finally, we came to Gatsby's own apartment a bedroom and a bath and an atom study where we sat down and drank a glass of some chartreuse he took from a cupboard in the wall. He hadn't once ceased looking at Daisy, and I think he revalued everything in his house according to the measure of response it drew from her well-loved eyes. Sometimes, too, he stared around at his possessions in a dazed way as though in her actual and astounding presence none of it was any longer real. Once, he nearly toppled down a flight of stairs. His bedroom was the simplest room of all, except where the dresser was garnished with a toilet set of pure dull gold. Daisy took the brush with delight and smoothed her hair, whereupon Gatsby sat down and shaded his eyes and began to laugh. It's the funniest thing, old sport, he said hilariously. I can't when I try He had passed visibly through two states and was entering upon a third. After his embarrassment and his unreasoning joy, he was consumed with wonder at her presence. He had been full of the idea so long, dreamed it right through to the end, waited with his teeth set, so to speak, at an inconceivable pitch of intensity. Now in the reaction, he was running down like an overwhelmed clock. Recovering himself in a minute, he opened for us two hulking patent cabinets, which held his masked suits and dressing gowns and ties, and his shirts piled like bricks and stacks a dozen high. I've got a man in England who buys me clothes. He sends over a selection of things at the beginning of each season, spring and fall. He took out a pile of shirts and began throwing them, one by one before us, Shirts of sheer linen and thick silk and fine flannel, which lost their folds as they fell and covered the table in many-colored disarray. While we admired, he brought more, and the soft, rich heat mounted higher. Shirts with stripes and scrolls and plaids and coral and apple green and lavender and faint orange with monograms of Indian blue. Suddenly, with a strained sound, Daisy bent her head into the shirt's and began to cry stormily. They're such beautiful shirts, she sobbed, her voice muffled in the thick folds. It makes me sad because I've never seen such, such beautiful shirts before. After the house, we were to see the grounds and the swimming pool and the hydroplane and the midsummer flowers, but outside Gatsby's window, it began to rain again, so we stood in a row looking at the corrugated surface of the sound. If it wasn't for the mist, we could see your home across the bay, said Gatsby. You always have a green light that burns all night at the end of your dock. Daisy put her arm through his abruptly, but he seemed absorbed in what he had just said. Possibly it had occurred to him that the colossal significance of that light had now vanished forever. Compared to the great distance that had separated him from Daisy, It seemed very near to her, almost touching her. It seemed as close as a star to the moon. Now it was again a green light on a dock. His count of enchanted objects had diminished by one. I began to walk about the room, examining various indefinite objects in the half-darkness. A large photograph of an elderly man in yachting costume attracted me, hung on the wall over his desk. "'Who's this?' That? That's Mr. Dan Cody, old sport. The name sounded faintly familiar. He's dead now. He used to be my best friend years ago. There was a small picture of Gatsby also in yachting costume on the bureau. Gatsby with his head thrown back defiantly, taken apparently when he was about 18. I adore it, exclaimed Daisy. The pompadour? You never told me you had a pompadour Where a yacht. "'Look at this,' said Gatsby quickly. "'Here's a lot of clippings about you.' "'They stood side by side examining it. "'I was going to ask to see the rubies when the phone rang "'and Gatsby took up the receiver. "'Yes?' "'Well, I can't talk now. "'I can't talk now, old sport. "'I said a small town. "'He must know what a small town is.' Well, he's no use to us if Detroit is his idea of a small town. He rang off. Come here, quick, cried Daisy at the window. The rain was still falling, but the darkness had parted in the west, and there was a pink and golden billow of foamy clouds above the sea. Look at that, she whispered, and then after a moment, I'd like to just get one of those pink clouds and put you in it and push you around. I tried to go then, but they wouldn't hear of it. Perhaps my presence made them feel more satisfactorily alone. I know what we'll do, said Gatsby. Well, have Clipspringer, play the piano. He went out of the room calling Ewan and returned in a few minutes accompanied by an embarrassed, slightly worn young man with shell-rimmed glasses and scanty blonde hair. He was now decently clothed in a sport shirt open at the neck, sneakers and duck trousers of a nebulous hue. Did we interrupt your exercises, inquired Daisy politely. I was asleep, cried Mr. Clipspringer in a spasm of embarrassment. That is been asleep and I got up. Clipspringer plays the piano, said so Gatsby cutting him off. Don't you, Ewing, old sport. I don't play well, I don't. I hardly play at all. I'm all out of practice we'll go downstairs interrupted gatsby he flipped a switch the gray windows disappeared as the house glowed full of light in the music room gatsby turned on a solitary lamp beside the piano he lit daisy's cigarette from a trembling match and sat down with her on a couch far across the room where there was no light save what the gleaming floor bounced in from the hall when Clip Springer had played The Love Nest, he turned around on the bench and searched unhappily for Gatsby in the gloom. I'm all out of practice, you see, I told you I couldn't play, I'm all out of practice. Don't talk so much, old sport. Come Gatsby, play. In the morning, in the evening, ain't we got fun. Outside the wind was loud and there was a faint flow of thunder along the sound. All the lights were going on in West Egg now. The electric trains, men carrying, were plunging home through the rain from New York. It was the hour of a profound human change, and excitement was generating on the air. One thing's sure and nothing's sure. The rich get richer, and the poor get children. In the meantime, in between time. As I went over to say goodbye, I saw that the expression of bewilderment had come back into Gatsby's face as though a faint doubt had occurred to him as to the quality of his present happiness. Almost five years! There must have been moments, even that afternoon, when Daisy tumbled short of his dreams, not through her own fault, but because of the colossal vitality of his illusion. It had gone beyond her, beyond everything. He had thrown himself into it with a creative passion, adding to it all the time, decking it out with every bright feather that drifted his way. No amount of fire or freshness can challenge what a man will store up in his ghostly heart. As I watched him, he adjusted himself a little, visibly. His hand took hold of hers, and as she said something low in his ear, he turned toward her with a rush of emotion. I think that voice held him most with its fluctuating feverish warmth, because it couldn't be overdreamed. That voice was a deathless song. They had forgotten me. But Daisy glanced up and held out her hand. Gatsby didn't know me now at all. I looked once more at them and they looked back at me, remotely, possessed by intense life. Then I went out of the room and down the marble steps into the rain, leaving them there together. The End of Chapter 5 So some notes on chapter five, part three, starting on page 95. At this point, Nick comes into the house. Um, He observes Daisy, who has been obviously crying. Um, Gatsby has transformed. He's no longer insecure or nervous or embarrassed. He's confident and absolutely glowing. Um, Daisy excuses herself, goes up to the washroom to um, clean up her face, Nick makes the comment that he was um, embarrassed. He says, uh, I thought with humiliation of my towels because he didn't put out the good guest towels. Um, Then Gatsby's like, oh, well, we'll go over and look at my house. And then while they are waiting for Daisy to get ready, Gatsby and Nick are standing outside. And Gatsby makes the comment, you know, my house looks great, doesn't it? You know, the light catches it just right. And then Nick agrees Um, And then Gatsby makes this comment right here. He says, it took me just three years to earn the money that bought it. Nick calls him out on this. Nick says, I thought you inherited your money. And then Gatsby says, well, I did old sport, but I lost most of it in the big panic of the war. Talking about World War I. And then um, Nick's like, well, then what exactly do you do? Uh, Gatsby replies rather shortly, rudely, and says, that's my affair realizes that that was rude. And then Gatsby says, Oh, I've done several things. I was in the drug business. We're not talking about selling drugs on the street, like drug stores. Um, and then I was in the oil business. And then he says, but I'm not in either one now. And um, then Daisy comes out and then she's like, you know, that huge place there. Um, it's interesting though, that she doesn't say like that, that gorgeous mansion there, that gorgeous, you know, what, like, house you know she says that huge place there and so that's interesting how she uses um the choices of those words there uh she's like um Gatsby wants her approval he's like do you like it she says I love it but how do you stay there all alone and he's like I don't I always have tons of people there um and then they go through the front way, not the side way or the back way, so that get, Daisy can truly appreciate the hugeness and grandeur of this house. Um, we have all of this uh, with the reference to the flowers. See, you know, admire the gardens, the sparkling odor of jonquils, so daffodils, the frothy odor of hawthorn and plum blossoms. The pale gold odor of kiss me at the gate. Um, so it's interesting that he is describing like pale gold odor of kiss me at the gate of these flowers in terms of smelling like colors. Um, says Nick makes a comment that, wow, it was kind of strange seeing like this place without like people, um, in and out. Then they go through a tour of the house. They stumble upon, um, Clip Springer. His nickname is called the border. That's just a guy who who shows up and actually never leaves. And then um, later Nick talks about how Gatsby had not once ceased looking at Daisy and that everything that he's watching Daisy's reaction to everything that he's showing her. And that if Daisy really loves something or likes something or comments on something, then Gatsby thinks that, you know, well then it's even better than what he originally thought. Um, and then like, Gatsby is just almost giddy. Uh, Nick says, you know, once he nearly toppled down a flight of stairs. Um, It's interesting that this house, this mansion is so incredibly extravagantly decorated. There's so many rooms. And Nick describes Gatsby's bedroom as being the simplest room of all, except where the dresser was garnished with a toilet set of pure dull gold. So a toilet set would include a brush, a comb, probably a hand mirror and um these are all um gold and so gatsby throughout this whole thing is just kind of like can't believe it like his dream has finally come true um then we have the next scene where he opens up two big hulking um cabinets um and so in these cabinets are all of these shirts piled like bricks and stacks a dozen high. And he explains to Daisy and to Nick that he has a guy over in England who sends him over um, seasonally in the spring and in the fall. And then he starts throwing these shirts. And at this point, people are like, what the heck, why is he throwing all of these shirts? But the descriptions of these shirts He began throwing them one by one before us, shirts of sheer linen and thick silk and fine flannel, which lost their folds as they fell and covered the table in many-colored disarray. Um, And the colors of them, you know, they were, let's see, shirts with stripes and scrolls and plaids and coral and apple green and lavender and faint orange with monograms of Indian blue. So he has his initials monogrammed on these shirts. And then Daisy, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, bends her head into the shirts and begins to cry stormily. Not just crying, she's crying stormily. And then she squeaks out this little thing where she's like, there's such beautiful shirts. She sobbed, her voice muffled in the thick folds. That makes me sad because I've never seen such, such beautiful shirts before. And so Usually kids, when they get to this part, they're like, what the heck is going on with this woman? I want you to think for a moment, though. It's been almost five years since she has seen Jay Gatsby. And remember the comment earlier where Jordan Baker said that Jay Gatsby looked at Daisy like every young girl wants to be looked at sometime in their lives. So Jay Gatsby was completely smitten with Daisy. Now think about Daisy's situation right now. Yes, she's incredibly rich. Yes, she comes from money. Her husband has money. She has a child, but her husband cheats on her, not just once, not just twice. He has this pattern of cheating on her. And so now she is reconnected with this guy that she had this connection with five years prior to that. And it's like this really emotionally intense time for her um that's my two cents on why she she cries normally into the shirts so then um Gatsby makes this comment that um they look out the window he says you always have a green light that burns at the end of your dock that green light um for Gatsby represented Daisy and then Nick makes this comment which I think is interesting that um on page, at the very top of page 100, says, um, possibly it had occurred to him, to Gatsby, that the colossal significance of that light had now vanished forever. Compared to the great distance that had separated him from Daisy, it had seemed very near to her, almost touching her. And so now that he actually has reunited, reconnected with Daisy, that green light is no longer significant. Because Daisy is actually there in flesh and blood. Um, We meet another character. This one is dead. And he's been dead for some years. His name is Mr. Dan Cody. And there's a couple of pictures of Gatsby with him. And Gatsby says that he used to be his best friend years ago. He's dead now. Um, Remember that name because we're going to find out more information about Dan Cody later. Then... um, Oh, a pompadour is a hairstyle, so Daisy's like, "Oh, you had, you know, the pompadour. Um you never told me you had a pompadour or a yacht." And so pompadour is a particular type of hairstyle that young men would have worn um in the 19 uh, teens and then the yacht which was Dan Cody's yacht. And then um then Gatsby brings this out. Like these notebooks. Uh here's a lot of clippings about you. And so Gatsby has been scouring newspapers and, and society magazines for years, um, and any time there was a mention of Daisy Fay, Daisy Fay Buchanan, he would cut it out and save it, so a lot of, um, when I first started reading this with students, it was like, oh my gosh, that's so romantic, you know, like, he pined for her and loaned for her all those years, and he kept a scrapbook about her. Um, in recent years, kids are like, that's just creepy. He's a stalker. Um, so I don't know. I always thought it was just kind of sweet and romantic. But a lot of kids now think, oh, my God, that guy is so creepy and stalker she." But think about if you're dating someone or if you're interested in someone or have a crush on someone really before you get involved with them, or if you are involved with them, do you ever check out their Instagram or Snapchat or Facebook or Twitter feed or whatever? Um, And you kind of just like see what they're doing or what they're like or pictures they have. Um, So I equate that to the same thing now. So then Gatsby gets this phone call. And so we have this repeated Motif of Gatsby getting phone calls at weird times. So remember he gets a phone call um, when Nick first meets him at the party and he has to leave. And um, I think I forget if it was Chicago or whatever, calling him Um, when they were at lunch with Meyer Wolfsheim in New York, he has to go make a phone call. And now he is taking a phone call. And then obviously he is upset about something because he's like, well, he's no use to us if Detroit is his idea of a small town, um, and then Daisy makes this really bizarre, I think it's bizarre, kind of silly comment, where she's like, look, you know, out of the clouds, um, I would just like to push you in one of those pink clouds, and, and put, you know, let you, or put you in one of those pink clouds, and push you around, um, then Gatsby was like, hey, we'll get Clip Springer to play some music, and Clip is all like, Disheveled and like, what? I don't really want to play. But Gatsby's like, yeah, you need to play. And so we have a couple of songs that Clipspringer plays. And then um, Nick kind of like realizes that Daisy and Gatsby need some time alone. And um, uh, one other thing I want to point out at the top of page 103, and I want you to think about this for a moment. So Nick says, that almost five years, there must have been moments, even that afternoon, when Daisy tumbled short of his dreams. And I want you to think about this for a moment. If there is something that you have thought, like you're like, oh my gosh, my life would be so perfect if I just had this, or if that one girl would go out with me, or that one guy would notice me, and or like imagine like You know, if I make the basketball team, it's going to be wonderful and amazing. Or if I could just, you know, become the quarterback of the football team or or whatever that you keep dreaming about. And then when it actually comes true, um, and this is that comment there, there must have been moments, even that afternoon when Daisy tumbled short of his dreams. So Nick is like observing, like, you know, there must have been times where she, Daisy, did not quite live up to how Gatsby imagined it. And then he goes on to say, not through her own fault, but because of the colossal vitality of his illusion. It had gone beyond her, beyond everything. Gatsby had thrown himself into it with a creative passion, adding to it all the time, decking it out with every bright feather that drifted his way. No amount of fire or freshness, that alliteration there, can challenge what a man will store up in his ghostly heart. And so think about in your own situation, if you imagine something like, you know, oh my gosh, you know, I imagine like how wonderful this vacation is going to be or how wonderful, you know, this event is going to be. And then it never quite lives up to how you expected it to be. And Nick is making that comment, like, you know, that it it had to have been that way, um, Anyway, so Nick is finally like, see ya. And um, the very last line there, then I went out of the room and down the marble steps into the rain. So it's raining once again, leaving them there together. So that's my two cents on chapter five. Hope you enjoyed that one.